Hello and welcome to The Treatment Table, the podcast where we chat to professionals in all fields of sports science and sports performance. Today, uh, I'm joined with my usual co-host, Archie Edwards. Unfortunately, Owen can't be with us today uh, due to an important business trip, uh, which he's currently on. Uh, Archie, how are you? Uh, I'm good, I'm good. Are you good? Uh, yeah, not too bad. Um, have you been up to anything this week? This week I've been in uh, Tenerife, uh, just relaxing, enjoying the sun. Uh, before the kids get out of there, because it's before uh, the end of uh, was it school, so it's nice and relaxing. But, uh, yeah, what about you? Great, yeah, sounds nice. Um, I'm I've been um watching Rotherham this week, watching us uh secure our stay in the championship next season after a one nil win over Middlesbrough. Um, good team to be as well. Yeah, a very good team to beat uh, in the position that they're that they're in. Um. And yeah, uh, I'm very surprised that we've actually made it um, to this to this stage in the season with the injuries that we've had. Maybe Rotherham should have employed today's guest, Harry Oldroyd, who is currently the leader of the physio team at Hallam FC. Uh, Harry, it's great to have you. Uh, how are you? Yeah, brilliant. How are you? Uh, yeah, not too bad. Uh, had a yeah. bit of problems, but I think we're uh, we're all ready now. Um, yes. So um, us. And uh, I know a lot of our guests uh, might not be fully aware of the role of a physiotherapist. Um, obviously, you're a physiotherapist at Hallam FC. Could you just explain what your role entails? Yes, mate. Yeah. So um, obviously uh, at Hallam, it's a little bit different to what a physio um, would do day to day unless you're involved in a sports team. Um, so obviously Hallam are only uh, like an amateur, semi-pro sort of sort of level in the pyramid. So my role doesn't go as far as some other physios might. Yeah. Um but in terms of what I do with Hallam, I um so when I turn up on a Saturday or at training, um it'll tend to be uh, players will report to me if they've got any issues or any injuries. Um or they've texted me throughout the week and they want to come and see me for any any sort of issues they've got. Um so I'll tend to do the assessments, things like that. Um, I'll do any pre-game massages and rubs, um, yep. any sort of taping that players want doing before a game. Um, and then from that, um, I'll go outside and I'll be the one that leads the warm-up. Um, so I do uh, some different exercises and stuff to slowly build up their tolerance to sprinting. Um, so believe it or not, there is some science that goes into uh, the warm-ups that I'll be doing with the players. Um, and then obviously throughout the game, I'll be doing pitch side first aid, um, and yep. also making decisions with the management team in terms of, uh, players who have ran certain distances or might need a rest, things like that. So I am involved in the tactical side of it as well. Um, and then after the game, I'll be leading, um, runs and some sort of, uh, like cardiovascular stuff for the players who haven't played. Um, or those that made less than 30 minutes um, during the game, I, I lead some stuff for them just to keep them fit and also to help prevent injuries. Um, and then from an injury point of view, um, I also lead the return to play for any concussions or um, any sort of muscular injuries. Okay. Um, it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You were talking about the the tape that players apply. Um what is the what is the need for that? I've always wondered about that. Um, so I mean, there's a couple of different types of tape that you can use. 
Um, generally, you've had, you've got two sort of reasons why you'd use tape. Uh, I'm not a big believer in it, um, and there's okay. not much science behind it. Um, but some of the players just like it mainly for a mental point of view, or it's a habit that they've done it for a long period of time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've done a lot with rugby players as well, and they do it a lot for stability. So if they've got a shoulder that dislocates, obviously use the tape to stop a shoulder moving into a certain position. Um, but I do feel in football, it can be quite limiting. Um, so obviously if I'm preventing an ankle from moving, it might limit how a player can kick a ball, for example, or um, if I stop a knee from moving, it might also limit their yeah. ability to, to sprint. So I try not to use it, but there is definitely a place for it as and when. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's... Because uh, I've always wondered, it's, it's just weird how players have... They'll tape up the hamstring and things like that. Um, I've always wondered about that. Um, yeah, yeah, we've, um, we've we've got a player who has suffered for the last couple of years with a hamstring injury. It just keeps keeps coming back, no matter what we do, really. Um, and I just tape was one of the things I turned to this year. Really, it's just a last resort. Um, in, in a nerdy way, uh, in a non-nerdy way, sorry. A bit a tape sometimes can just give that sensory feedback, so the the muscle knows when to fire. Um, oh, okay, right. Uh, and, and that has actually worked really well for him. He's not had a hamstring injury for since probably November time, um, whereas before it was happening every sort of like six to eight weeks it recur. So it has worked quite well for him. Um, whether it's the tape or whether it was just complete coincidence, we don't know. But um, yeah, it does have its place. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, I see you're currently studying physiotherapy at Sheffield Hallam. Um, so how far are you into your studying, and what attracted you to the subject? Um, so I actually finished uh, today. Oh, <laughs> oh did you? All uh, oh, right, okay. Yes. Uh, so I handed in my final assessment today. So obviously I'm a third year student um, who's just finished. Um, and what attracted me to physio was a, a, a bit of what everyone probably says really who does physio. It's that exposure to physio from probably playing sport or whatever and getting injured and encountering a physio and, think, and thinking, wow, that's quite interesting. How have they done that? Um or at least that's kind of how I got into it. And then you learn more and more about what physios can do and you just realise what an important part they have to they have in people's lives, not even away from uh, from sports and sports injuries, they they do have a massive part to play. So yeah, that's what really what enticed me to it. Brilliant. Yeah. Um obviously um every player wants a chance to play. Um and many had run figuratively the run for a brick wall. Um, do you, I know you were saying that if players have got any problems, they'll come to you, but is there any telltale signs that you look for? I know a limp is obviously, is obviously a big sign, but is there any telltale signs that you look for? Or is it more of just giving players routine checkups and, uh, that kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, um, obviously I've, I've worked at Lincoln FC as well, um, so at Hallam, I wouldn't do routine checkups, no. Um, and there's no pressure on players to tell me uh, if they have an injury. Um, but in a professional setting that I've worked in, players do get fined if they don't report an injury. Okay, right. Um, so obviously, if they can play through it and hide it, then it's not an issue. Yeah. Or yeah. players will tend to report an issue or an injury um, just so they don't get fined um, because it can be quite a significant fine if they don't play at the weekend having trained all week for example um, 
So players do tend to come to you, even if it's just the tiniest little thing, mainly because you're there. Um, Yeah, yeah, it's difficult because the the players just sometimes will come to you with the most ridiculous things because they've (laughs) got a physio there. Um, Like, oh, I scratched my toe. Can I play? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you can play. It's no problem at all, really. Um, But then, so from a perfect... From a professional side, they use you and abuse you. They want a rub for everything. Yeah, yeah, um, but, yeah. but um, from a non-league side, it's a little bit different because obviously it's, it's not, a, not a big wage, really. Um, they can't live off the money they get from Hallen, um, obviously. But um, it does make a difference to their life. So they do tend to play through injuries they probably shouldn't play through. Okay. Um, which can be quite difficult to manage. Um, but at the end of the day, it's their decision, not mine. Um, and even in a professional level, it's not really a physio's decision to decide whether a player plays or not. You can advise, but you 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 don't have the say at the end of the day. So it, it can be quite difficult. Yeah. Um, so obviously injuries, you know, rife in football. What's the most um, common injury that you think you've come across in your career so far? Um, gosh, uh, it, it's between two probably. Um, and I think number number one, legit. So I'll save that as a big reveal. But, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> number two is probably an ankle sprain in football. Um, it, yeah, it's quite common just because the, the mechanism of injury is so frequent. I'm sure if you've played football before, you, you've probably done it as well. Yeah, yeah, they should um, do it, yeah. Yeah, so just naturally tackling in non-league, pitch surfaces being terrible, uh, having a wet pitch and you sliding from underneath you, all sorts like that. Um, So number two, probably an ankle sprain, um, which can be quite difficult to rehab, um, particularly at non-league level where you don't have a lot of facilities. Um, But in a professional professional setting, it's really easy to to rehab an ankle sprain. So that's not too much of an issue. but number one is by far hamstring strain. Um, most hamstring strains happen when a player's sprinting, um, but can also happen when they're cutting or changing direction. And obviously, with the intensity of football being so high, um, yeah. players are sprinting and changing direction at the same time quite frequently. Um and as much as you can try and prevent those injuries through adequate warm-ups and sprint exposure throughout the week, particularly at non-league level, it's really difficult to um, for that to have any sort of impact. So with what I do at Hallam, we see quite a lot of hamstring injuries. Yeah. Um, so from my point of view, it's all about preventing it. Um, so if you want, I can go into a bit of detail about how I do that. Uh, yeah, yeah, go for it, mate, yeah. Yeah, so um, at the beginning of the season, we had a couple of players come back during pre-season just carrying injuries that they'd sort of like carried over from the season before. Um, And hamstring injuries uh, tend to recur every sort of 30 days or so if you don't rehab them properly. Okay. Um, And I did a lot of research into it being the nerdy physio that I am uh, and kind of came up with a prevention programme that all our players now do. Um, it's actually what I based my dissertation on. Um, and since I've introduced the prevention program, we've actually had a 0% uh, re-injury rate with hamstrings, which is something that I really pride myself on. Um, it's all to do with the numbers of sprints that players do in a week. Um, 
it's to do with some different exercises that I give them and a lot to do with the warm-up that I do before the game. And also, as I spoke about earlier, in terms of managing players, in terms of tactical decisions uh, throughout the game with the management team. Um, so there's quite a lot of detail that goes into it, even at a non-league level, um, but it does have an impact. Um, okay. So yeah, like I, I find it really interesting, um, but some, some people might not. No, I think it is. I think it is really interesting. I think that this is, this is why this podcast is is. We decided to bring it to this kind of way because physios and people like that don't usually get a say. It's all about the players and the managers and those people who are in the main like the spotlight, so to speak. Um, but yeah, um, you were saying earlier that you were an intern at Lincoln City. Um, obviously, with them being in League One and then Hallam being in the ninth tier. Um, did you find it? Did you find there was more technology at Lincoln City than there is at Hallam? And is it sort of harder to work with the technology that you've got at Hallam compared to Lincoln? Um, so I, I think I'd, I'd caveat that by just even though they're miles apart in terms of the the, the footballing pyramid, um, that you don't have much differences in technology really. Um, at League One level, they don't have huge budgets for medical department, and they actually have to outsource a lot of the. Um, like if they need technology, they have to get it from other places. So yeah, we send some of our players to uh, Nottingham Uni to go and do um, like muscle strength testing on what's called an IKD IKD machine, um, and we'd send the to like places in Retford to go and do like anti gravity machine running. Um, we sent a couple of players to Forest to go and do some stuff. Um, So, yeah, it's at Lincoln, there wasn't too much, really. Um, They'd got a gym attached to the training facility, which for me is the biggest difference between Hallam and Lincoln. Um, Preventing injuries and rehabbing injuries is all about muscle strength. Um, It's it's literally as simple as that, really. And as a physio, all we're trying to do is safely increase a player's ability to complete a contraction and then prepare them to do that repeatedly on a football pitch. And that's just about muscle strength, muscular endurance. So for me, the biggest task at Hallam is trying to recreate that gym environment in a non-league physio room, which is really cool. Um, (laughs) In terms of getting to grips with the technology that we did have at Lincoln, um, it can be quite difficult, um, but at the same time, it's not always too useful. So your listeners might not know what this is, um, but they can happily Google it. It's called a handheld dynamometer. Okay. And basically, um, all it does is measure the like peak torque or peak force of a movement against this machine. Um, and it doesn't have very good reliability, if I did it and you did it, we'd get probably different scores. But if I did it repeatedly with the player, then we'd get some sort of decent measure. Um, so we use that yeah. quite frequently at Lincoln. And obviously I can't afford one of those at Hallam. No, uh, no. <laughs> so I don't have to worry about that too much, really. But you can still find those same objective measures just doing it in a different way. So you just have to be a little bit creative with what I do at Hallam. Um but yeah, it's equally as interesting. Yeah. Would would you say that that's made you a little bit more of a? Would you say that that's sort of made you a better physio trying to 
recreate those things at the top level or a higher level? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I learned a lot from, uh, the physios I was working with at Lincoln. Um, and yeah, I think like you say, trying to recreate that piece of technology that was semi useful at a professional level, um, has definitely made me more creative, uh, have a better ability to get some sort of objective testing out of the players. Um, but even just the wider holistic point of view in terms of, I never thought that exposing a player to five sprints a week would help to prevent a hamstring injury. Um, a lot, I learned a lot of those type of things um, at the professional level. Yeah. Um, just because they get to work with players all day, every day. Um, and it is as simple as that, really. That That's one of the biggest differences when you've got a player who has to do what you tell them to do because they're contracted by the club and that's their job versus me telling a player who's a builder to go and do dirty <laughs> sit-ups. He's going to go, no, screw you. I'm going to have a beer. True, yeah, exactly. Um, you were saying that the re- the rehabilitation process is quite, from the sounds of it, it's quite, you know, rinse and repeat, same thing. Do players get a bit frustrated by that? Like every day kind of coming in, doing the same thing, you know, bit samey kind of? Yeah, so like long-term injuries. Um, uh, do, you, do you follow football quite well? Uh, yeah, yeah. I follow football for quite a few years, yeah. Yeah, so do you know uh, Lewis Monsma? Uh, who the does he centre-half at Lincoln. I probably will have seen him. I'm a Rotherham fan, so I've oh, okay. I've been around that kind of league before. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, he's he's a big Dutch centre half. I've ju- uh, yeah, I've just searched him. Yeah, he does. Uh, he does ring a bell. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was at Lincoln during his his um his time towards like return to play protocol. So I just missed his year long rehab, but I saw the last couple of weeks of it and his return to grass and stuff. Um, and I spoke to him a little bit about that in terms of how do you deal with being a professional footballer and not playing football for nine months because your ACL's screwed. And um, basically, he just said it's really difficult. Like, you come into work every day and you're doing chest press and you're doing a shoulder press. You're thinking, why the hell am I doing this? Because I can't, like, I'm supposed to be playing football. Yeah. Um, and, and he said it's really, really difficult. And I think, at that point, the physio's job is to keep the players motivated, to set little goals that players can hit frequently so they do feel like they're achieving things. Um, and then with a the short-term injury, yeah, it might be quite quite samey, but you've got those short-term goals in terms of, right, you just need to hit these numbers on this exercise and once you've done that, we can get you out running. And then when they're out running, it's like, right, okay, you need to hit 5K if you hit 5k for three days in a row and you've sprinted four times, then you can go and train with the team. And then if, if you've trained with the team well for a couple of days, then you can go and play on Saturday. Um, yeah. So it's all those little wins really. And it's just about keeping players motivated and as interested in the rehab plan as possible. And that's where our passion for the the career has got to kind of take charge of it. If, if we're, re- if we're really interested in what we're doing and, that comes across to the players and they trust you, yeah. then hopefully you're going to get that buy-in. Yeah, this, uh, yeah, that's that's the thing. Yeah, it does. Uh, I can imagine it is quite frustrating. But um, I know, obviously, uh, physical injuries to your legs and maybe, you know, you'll get another injury wherever. 
um, they can be treated. But things such as head trauma, um, obviously, it's a bit more, you could say it's a bit more important. The brain's a, a vital organ, obviously. Um, <laughs> would you, like, how how is a head injury dealt with? Uh, what, from, from the point of actually... Uh, the injury on the pitch or in terms uh, of the rehab? Just lead us through the process of bringing them off the pitch uh, and then the test required to make sure that the player's okay. Yep. So um, let's say a player's gone down with a bang to the head. Um, at both clubs I've worked at, um, Lincoln, the protocol is don't move. So the players are all told if you get a bang to the head, try not to move. And all the players are told as well not to touch the player. Okay. Um, so sometimes you'll see on TV players go and touch their mate or um, I don't know if you saw that video a few months ago of the guy pulling the other person's tongue out of his mouth uh, with his fingers. I have, uh, I've seen a few of those. I think I've seen a few of those, yeah. Yeah. Rare players it, it's, a, it's just like, wow. Like he got an award for that. And I mean, he he, he did save his life, but it's also really dangerous to do that. So um First of all, it's about educating the players and the team. If this ever happens to you or it happens to another player, please don't touch them. Please don't move them. Please don't stick your fingers down the throat. That's what yeah. I'm here for and that's what I'll deal with. So I'd enter the field of play. Um, the first thing I do is I go into um, this position called Mills, which I'm sure you've seen on TV. It's where a physio goes on the head and holds the neck and the head completely still. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you've seen it. And basically the, the reason for that is um you are so if you have a suspected head injury um you have to treat them as if they've got a fractured c-spine which is your neck preparing for um, the worst sort of thing yeah yes yeah exactly because if, if if you do it the opposite way around and you start moving them you could cause serious damage obviously yeah, um, yeah. so you, you kind of work backwards you you suspect the worst and you slowly degrade the injury um so all players i'll go and i'll put them into mills um, and then I'll start asking them some questions, obviously, if they're conscious, um, which hopefully they are. Uh, and most of the time they go, yeah, I'm absolutely fine. But you, obviously you have to ask them a few questions to clear them. Um, so I'd start off by asking them if they've got pins and needles, double vision, um, any sort of sickness or um, dizziness. Um, and, and, and again, that is just about clearing C-spine, so your neck. Um, and it's also about clearing any sort of dissection to any arteries that may have uh, happened during uh, the injury. Um, hopefully at that point, they'll say no, and um, I'll be able to remove my hands. Um, and then I'd start asking you normal sort of concussion protocol questions, which have you, have you ever heard of any of them? Uh, I haven't. Uh, would you like to talk us through them? Yeah, sure. So, um there's 10 questions you've got to ask, which I won't go through all of them because it'd be quite boring to listen to. Okay. Um, but it's about testing your long-term and your short-term memory. So, um, for example, what's the score? Who scored the last goal? Um, who's the prime minister? What's the date? Things like that. Just general um, questions, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like you can be a little bit clever with them. There are 10 set ones that you're supposed to ask, but you don't always remember them. And I think as long as you're safe and you check as many as possible, um, and, and you kind of get a good feeling of what they're like uh, quite quickly anyway. Um, so then let's say they are concussed, we remove them for the field of play. Uh, and then it's about education uh, for the for the next few days of rehab. So 
the day of the injury, they shouldn't drink any alcohol. Um, they should keep well hydrated. They should be um, sort of monitored by friends and family um, for at least 24 hours. Um, and again, it depends on their age. So um, I'll just go with them being an adult. So over 19, um, they then have like a minimum of, um, depending on whether you've got a club doctor, you have like a minimum of 19 days that you're not allowed to return to play. Um, okay. So you then go through the stages of their, their rehab. So you start off with that rest period, um, which is like a minimum of 24 hours, really. Um, so they shouldn't have any symptoms during this period for them to move on to the next stage. Uh, and then the stages slowly start increasing from light exercise. So it could literally be a little jog for five minutes mm. and that could be it for the day. Um, all the way up to practicing heading, doing full contact, getting tackled, um, sprinting, change of direction, things like that. And then it's about returning to play. Um, and I think for me, the biggest challenge with a concussion is the fact it's not a physical injury. Um, so you spoke a little bit about how important heads and your brain is. Yeah, this is uh, yeah. But players don't always understand that or at least acknowledge it. Um, with a hamstring, when you sprint, if it's torn, it will hurt. With a concussion, you might be fine two days later and not understand why you can't just go and play. Yeah, uh, yeah. You'll find that in boxing as well. You'll find um, you'll find people have had a bleed on the brain and they've just gone home casually and just not feel anything. And then the next day, they're, they're in hospital, which is not great, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And it's... I think it's just a lack of education. We we I had one at Hallam a couple of months ago, um, who's an under eighteen, uh, under nineteen player, um, who's also contracted to Chesterfield, so he's on loan with us. And yeah. um, I, I had to obviously work with their physio to return him to play safely with us, um, and make sure the protocols are followed. But our management were very, they were very good with with me. Um, but they were a little bit frustrated with how slow the process was. So even though he got no symptoms, he couldn't play for two, three weeks, which um, could have been the difference between us winning and losing a couple of games because he is a good player for mm. us. Um, so even from the management side, it can be quite difficult to kind of get behind this idea of that he's not allowed to play when he's saying, I want to play. Yeah, this I've is got it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really difficult. Um and it's, it's measured and understood a lot better in the professional game um, because you have to report an injury to the FA um, and then the FA makes sure that the protocols are followed and that the player isn't playing at the weekend and stuff like that. Um, but obviously those kind of things don't happen on league. So you could easily get away with playing a player um, when they shouldn't be playing. Um, but at the end of the day, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't stop players from doing stuff like that. No, this is true. Um, it's been a really, I've been really interested. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure you have as well, Archie. Yeah. Um, obviously with your, um, with your studying coming to an end, are you looking to stay at Hallam for a while or are you looking to go somewhere else, maybe further up the football pyramid? Yeah, I think it's difficult really because, um, Initially, I came into Hallam thinking, right, this is just going to be a bit of pitch hard experience. It's my first time working in football uh, and use it as a as a stepping stone, really, into my career once I qualify. Um, but I've kind of come to the conclusion that I want to stay with Hallam now um, and just do it as a hobby, really. Okay. Um, so 
I'm not closed off to working in professional sport when I uh, graduate, but I have accepted an offer um, to do other things. Um, so I'll just be working as a general MSK physio um, and not necessarily specialising in sports injuries. Okay. Um, is is there more fun. is there more money in like general physio than than let's say like sports physio like what you're in now? Uh yes yeah yeah I'd, I'd probably say so, um just purely because of opportunity, um yeah, so if I'd probably struggle to get a full time job even at an academy straight out of uni, um. And obviously, football is really the only place that's got money to fund graduates, um, because it, like most places, for example, let's say I was going to go and work for Team GB Boxing, mm. I'd be on my own all the time. So they'd want an experienced physio, um, and in that case, you'd you'd have probably got that experience from working as a physio elsewhere, and not necessarily through sport. Yeah. So I'm not closing myself off, off to that option in the future. Um, but I think just right now, it's probably not the best career decision for me. Um, Fair enough. It, Fair enough. It, it takes a lot out of you. You're working very long hours a week. Um, there's a lot of pressure on you um, in terms of uh, players getting fit and playing or recurrent injuries that you've told a manager, yeah, he's fine, he can play, and then gets injured a couple of weeks later and they go, oh, you told me he was fine. And it, it's yeah. not your fault, in, in that profession, it is your fault because you're the person responsible for keeping players fit. Um, uh, it's, it's really unsociable hours. Um, you're probably getting into work at seven and maybe not leaving until 12 o'clock at night if you've got a midweek game. Yeah, yeah. Um, weekend games as well. You, you you might be leaving Friday night and getting back Sunday morning and then you start work Monday again. So you actually only get Sunday afternoons off. Um, so it's not as glamorous as, as you maybe think it is. Um, but it is really, really fun. I did absolutely love my time with Lincoln and I would definitely do it in the future. Um, but not right now. <laughs> no. Uh, well, there, this is it. Uh, but it's always good. You've got that. You've got that degree now, so you can take that and, and run, sort of, sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I've already got a job and stuff, so uh, not got to worry about that. <laughs> no, that's true. Uh, yeah, thank you for coming on. Um, best of luck in the future uh, with your physio. Um, and yeah, I hope it all goes well for you. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. It's been good fun, and uh, all the best to you two as well. I know it's a difficult uh, industry to get into, but um if if you take all these opportunities you'll get there um, no this is it exactly um yeah thank you very much no problem at all thanks everyone for tuning into this episode of the treatment table be sure to follow our twitter at underscore treatment table and on instagram at the treatment table to stay up to date with any new podcasts